Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Amsterdam Talk Season 3, Episode 30. Tonight, I am here with, you know, well-renowned author, Miss Frances Jones, and we're going to talk about um, overcoming infertility. So how you doing, uh, Miss Jones? I'm wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm all right. Before we get into it, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, um, I came from very humble beginnings. My parents were sharecroppers, and some people don't know what that is. So in case your audience does not know what a sharecropper is, my mom and dad, they uh, were farmers, and they had uh, crops on on land that they didn't own. So they didn't own the land, but they actually were sharing the profits from whatever they harvested. And so they didn't make a, you know, much of a living doing that. And, but I was taught the value of family and the value of love. I was taught that it wasn't about how much you had, but how much you shared. And so those upbringings brought me closer to wanting to be able to have a family because I saw my mom and dad showing so much love to us. And it didn't matter about how much money they had. And I wanted to have that. So I end up being the first person in my family to go to stay and graduate from college. And I end up uh, receiving two master's degrees, one in accounting and then the other one in educational leadership, student personnel. Going from not having a family of surplus to being able to, to change my future and the future of my family. So I have done several things. I changed from being an accountant to getting into IT and then finally tapping into what I believe was my life purpose is just helping others to come through situations where they've had extreme challenges, regardless of what those challenges were, to be able to look at life differently and not you look at those challenges as a hindrance, but looking at those challenges as a way to propel to what you really supposed to do in your life. So what brought me to that was not my inability to have children coming from a large family, wanted to have a large family, but something got in the way. And we'll talk about that story this evening. Okay. So I guess we could say what, when we can go right into the, to the story, because what made you write to overcoming the emotional stigmas of in, infertility, tackling the taboo topic of infertility with heart and honesty? Okay. Well, what made me write it was that I had these high expectations. Like I said, uh, well, I haven't said, but I came from a very fertile family. My mom, she conceived 10 times. She has sisters that conceived multiple times, 10, 7. All of my sisters had children. All of my nieces uh, have children. All the nieces with the exception of one, and she's going to be trying soon. I was the only one. I was the exception, and I couldn't understand that. Why I, who wanted to have children so badly, could not have them. And so what made me write the book is that after going through all those years, over 20 years of heartache, Mm -hmm. I was able to finally come out of it. And I was able to resolve all of that hurt, all of that pain, all of that heartache. And I found that there was a purpose for it because if I had not gone through everything that I'm going through or that I went through, I couldn't help others. So what made me write the book is once I came out of that heartache, Out of that darkness, out of that pain, I remember there was others that were yet stuck. And I had no intention of sharing my story, but I felt that 
Everything that I went through would have been in vain, knowing that others was yet hurting, and I found peace in that situation. So I wrote the book as a reminder to tell others that even though you are going through a dark moment in your life, that does not have to define your life. And that's why I wrote the book. Okay, so you wrote the book, but as you were trying, like, well, I, I know you since you said you knew you could have, but you were trying. You were you were definitely trying to Atita actually uh, conceive children. Yes. Did you go through any other methods? Oh, I went through fertility treatments um, over a period of years. Um, had my husband tested because you know you, I was thinking, hey, it can't be me. <laughs> you know, I come from a fertile family. But he was so loving that he went and got checked out and we went through all the treatments and I was diagnosed. Let me step back a little bit. Uh, when I was in college, I used to have extreme pain during that time of the month. And I didn't understand why, because coming from the family background that I came from, we didn't talk about that so much. So it was very private and hush hush. So everything I was going through, I thought was normal. And so I was diagnosed a few years later with uh, stage four endometriosis low mm. egg reserve and low egg count and see all of that combined caused was a playing factor in me not being able to have children and so when i married my husband he had full custody of a four and a half year old daughter a year later we got married so i'm a full-time mom with uh, a daughter who still we you know share um time with with the biological mom and then i found out that i couldn't have children my husband i adopted but see, some people have the misunderstanding that all you need is children in the house. That's all you want are children in the house and you should be happy. But see, what they fail to realize is that adoption and having children in the house is not a band-aid for someone who's going through infertility. Because there's a part of you that yearn deeply to carry life within you. At least that was in my case. And so having children in the house, even though I love them deeply, did not erase that feeling of wanting to create life within me. So yes, we did try fertility treatments. They didn't work. And the doctor had told me that even if um, I was able to do IVF and we were going to try that, and we can talk about that later if we want, if you want to. But he said, even if I had uh, gone through and was successful in IVF, so to speak, and conceived, there was a high chance of miscarriage because I had so much going on. And so people don't really realize that when a person who yearns deeply to carry life or is going through infertility, it's hard. And it's really not many words that a person can say that bring comfort, especially those who've never endured it. Right. I can understand that. Like um, you just said, adopting and having a band-aid of actually occurring in life, but actually seeing something, I guess, that you created. Like, you know, adoption is adoption, but at the end of the day, that's I mean, they're still your children, but you want to see your own DNA, your own chromosomes, your own genetics come through inside the actual life that you carry. But um, I totally get it. So how did you how did adopting two children did it affect your shame, hurt or disappointment that I have in your own? No, it didn't affect the shame and the hurt. See, the shame and the hurt came in because I I beat myself up. I thought I had done something to cause it. I deserved it. I thought that, oh, you know, all your sisters, all my sisters have children, and I'm the only one who doesn't. It must be me. It must be something I've done. How many, so having, how many children do your sisters have? Um, all of my sisters have three 
children with the exception of one who has one child. Now she was able to conceive, but she also had miscarriages. And so with her first child, she was able to bring forth life with, is okay. the doctor told her that if she tried again, it could be some serious problems for her. So it wasn't the fact that she couldn't conceive, it was the fact that there could be danger for her. So right. it was the fact that I was never able not once to conceive. And so there was shame related to that. And I didn't talk about it. They thought I was fine, but I wasn't. Okay. So you, you weren't so like, did you, you went into this shit? Did you drop into depression or anything like that? No, it was not depression. See, the thing about it, I've always been a jovial person, but I've always been a private person. The thing about it is that it just didn't make sense to me. And there was a scripture that's in First Thessalonians 5 and 18. It said, in all things give thanks. And I could not connect with that scripture because that was one of the worst things in my thoughts that could ever happen to me. How can I be thankful for that? And so I struggled with that and I struggled within myself because I actually lost myself. Right. I lost the joy that I had, but it wasn't depression. It was just, I just, I lost Francis. I didn't know, or rather I forgot, or I didn't get to the point where I was appreciative of the great things that I already had in my life because I was so consumed with that one thing. And it wasn't about, oh, I want to have biological children versus adopted children. It wasn't even so much about that because some people have the misconception that thinking, like I said, that adoption is a band-aid. So they'll go to people who are having fertility issues and they say, oh, there's plenty of kids out there, just adopt. Like they're supposed to just fix things. But see what people, some people I would say, don't realize is that it's almost like our feelings are being discounted. Is that all of the things that you want and what you believe for that you don't really understand the emotions that we're dealing with. And it's not just about that. It's about you don't you're not hearing me. You don't get it. You don't understand. And I understand a lot of people don't understand it because they haven't experienced it. And so that's why another reason I didn't start off with writing the book that way, but that's what I've been promoting and making awareness to people is that when you're having conversations with someone that you know wanted to have children, but for whatever reason have not brought forth children in their life, is that be compassionate with those conversations. Don't just say, hey, well, maybe you're not trying hard enough, or maybe you ought to try this or do this or adopt. Think about what you're really saying to that person because you could be really hurting that person. So I want to bring awareness that even though people, I believe for the most part, have good intentions, those good intentions can cause heartache for someone when they really don't get it. Okay. So did you did you and your husband ever think about a surrogate? Actually, um, that was one of the recommendations that the doctor actually made for us, not as so much as a surrogate, but egg donor. Okay. And so we thought about it, we prayed about it, but something just didn't feel right about it for us. Now, for some people that works, and it's all about what feels right for that particular couple, right? But the fact that I was thinking that someone else would particularly or potentially um, be a part of my family in that sense. And I just, it just didn't feel right to me. You know, if I was going to be able to conceive, it wouldn't have been my eggs. It would have been borrowed eggs, so to speak. And I just, I just didn't want that in my life. I just didn't want that. It just, it just didn't feel right for me and for us. And so we decided against it. I understand. So 
what don't fertile people understand about those that who can't have children? What don't they understand? Well, what I believe they don't understand is that it's not so much that you're not trying. It's what you're trying. Like for my husband and I, um, he had to give me injections to mm -hmm. as part of the fertility treatments. And so there's a lot of pain with that. And then with those of us who choose to do IVF, there's a lot of pain that goes along with that. And to have someone to say, you're not trying enough or, or maybe you're not doing the right things when there's a lot of expense that's involved in that. And so right. it's just such an emotional roller coaster, emotional toil that goes on with that individual. And some people shy away from baby showers. Now, I wasn't one of those type of people because I felt that if I give unto others, then that which I have given will come back to me. And in a sense, it did, but not in the way that I thought it would. So I would show up to baby showers, the best gifts as though I was giving to you know, my own my own child from my own shower but for others it's a reminder of what they don't have and so just people just have to understand that what happens for one individual is not necessarily the same thing that will happen for another each individual should be treated differently and thought about differently but definitely i would think to ask that person how can i be there for you don't assume you know don't try to make everything right for that person. That individual needs time to either grieve, to understand, to accept, to hurt, to cry, whatever they need to do, because it's a hard journey. So just understanding the journey, understanding that infertility is a disease. It is a disease and it doesn't just affect women. One third of men are challenged with infertility too, of infertility couples. So let, let me use the stats. Um, one in eight couples are diagnosed with infertility, mm -hmm. depending on the stats, and there are different stats. But let's just say we use the one in eight. So one third is related to the woman, one mm -hmm. third is related to the man, and one third could be the male or female or both. And so understanding what we go through when you're having conversations with us given the support that not what you think we need but asking us how can you support us and mm -hmm. just being there as if if nothing else just a, a shoulder to cry on if that's what we need but don't come with the mind that you already know what we need try to understand us and what all we're right. Doing. all right so you know you say that so how does how is it dealt infertility dealt inside the black community well you know i was on a show the tammy mack show uh, a couple of years ago and i talked about infertility in the black community and one of the questions that was asked why should we care there's a lot of people having kids why should we care about black uh infertility in the black community and so the thing about it is that what we fail to realize is that many times women and men in the black in, in the black community we don't go and get ourselves checked out if there are things that are going on that you know doesn't feel right in your body don't take it for granted see that's what i did i had all that pain 
I didn't know it was endometriosis. I didn't mm. know that I was causing scarring tissues all in my uh, reproductive system because I wasn't going to investigate what was going on. I took it for granted because my mom, she was very uh, fertile. My, my sisters were very fertile. There's no way in this universe that I wouldn't be. So I took a lot of things for granted. I would say don't take anything for granted, even with your children. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying go and just, hey, let's make sure your kids can have kids. But I'm saying if something doesn't seem right, don't take it for granted. Find out what's going on. And maybe you can stop something in the process before it gets out of hand. That's definitely understood. So so what should you never say to couples who are not childless by choice? Okay. So when a person is not childless by choice, and even we can talk about a person who is childless by choice, but I'll go with the first question that you asked. Okay. Instead, don't ask them, <laughs> when are you going to have kids? Do you want kids? How long are you and your husband going to wait before you have kids? So I had a conversation with my future mother-in-law. My husband and I, we hadn't gotten married yet. And she knew at the time I was 31 years old. And that was odd for a woman of my age to not have had children, even though I had never been married. And so she asked me, do you want children? And I said immediately, yes, I do. But some people will go and ask that question to a married couple. You don't want kids? Don't you like kids? What's going on with you? Why you don't have kids by now? And so not knowing that that person could very well be giving injections to themselves mm -hmm. to have children, going through so much pain, physical pain, trying to have children. So don't ever get to the point where you feel like you can just address a person and say, hey, don't you want kids? Why don't you want kids? Why haven't you had kids by now? What's going on with you? You know, that's right. I know they probably mean well, but consider what you're saying before you say it. Right, we got a question from the audience. Um, did it? How did this affect your marriage? Well, you know, um, my husband is a real trooper, and so a lot of the things that he did, he did for me, because he was okay if we never had any other children. He was okay with that because you know we had a family. But the thing about it is that he went through the treatments because he knew it would make me happy. It didn't cause heartache. I didn't have anger towards him. I've heard other women who are angry with their husband because they don't support them like that. And if he didn't support me, maybe I would have felt that way as well. But he did. So it didn't put a strain on the marriage. What it did, though, was that because I had a we didn't use the word in the house stepchild, but I had a daughter through marriage that their conflict began to, to arise because um, she wanted to be with her biological mother. She thought that I was the interference of her biological mother and her dad getting back together, even though they I knew nothing about them before I met them, met him. So we had those type of conflicts where, you know, she had anger outbursts at me because she thought I was stopping her and her biological dad and mom to be together. And so my husband would see me crying because she and I would have these arguments over whatever it was at that point in time. And it would hurt a lot that the one daughter, the one child that I had was, was 
moving away from me, so to speak. She didn't want to have me in her life in the way that we were at first, because we were very close at first. And then to look at the fact that now I'm having fertility issues. So there was a lot of pain there, a lot of hurt emotionally. But my husband would say something to me that I use to this very day. And it's in my book, Overcoming Emotional Stigmas of Infertility, Bearing But Not Ashamed. He would tell me, let love rule. Let love rule. Let love rule. When I had a conflict that arose between me and my daughter, he would tell me, let love rule. And when he said that, that bothered me because I thought I was letting love rule. But I really wasn't. I was letting hurt rule. I was letting frustration rule. I was letting my emotions rule. But it wasn't love that I was letting rule. And so it took me time to be able to really embrace that and understand it. Because what I realized is that my daughter, she just wanted to be with her biological mom. She wanted to have the chance to, to, to experience being with her because she had always been with us. But mm -hmm. I couldn't understand that. I looked at it as rejection. Okay. And so it's letting love rule means, and it doesn't have to be about trying to have children it could be about anything that's going on in your life always let love rule so to answer the audience question no there wasn't conflict between me and my husband it didn't put a strain on our marriage but that relationship with my biological my stepdaughter i'm sorry it did put a strain there so how was the relationship today it is much better she's a mother of her own okay. <laughs> but we still have a ways to go because we went through a lot of challenges uh, to the point where we didn't really talk that much. Mm. But we have gotten to the place where, you know, we are very close compared to how we were previously, but we still have healing to do. I understand that. So um, what do you wish you knew about coping with infertility um, more than 20 years ago, more 20, 30 years ago? Well, I didn't understand that there were support groups out there, that I didn't have to go through that alone. I hid everything. See, on the outside, I would smile brightly, and I, I made everybody think that everything was fine, but it wasn't. I didn't talk about it. So what I wish I had done then was trusted people enough with my truth. I didn't trust people. I didn't think they could understand. Think about it. All my sisters have children. How can they really understand what it means to not be able to conceive, to hear another uh, a baby announcement, knowing that it would never be me? I thought about my family tree, and you mentioned this about genetics, and I thought that there would be no genetic linkage mm -hmm. on this family tree. My tree would be barren while everyone else's tree was flourishing. And I also didn't understand that it was not me personally that caused it it was just a issue in my reproductive system my body just wasn't operating as it should and so if a person has uh, high blood pressure they don't beat themselves up a person has high cholesterol they don't beat themselves up but if there's something going on with what a woman thought she was created to do Mm -hmm. She beats herself up. So I didn't know there were support groups out there that I could share with. I didn't know that uh, I could trust people enough to share my truth. And that's why it meant so much to me to write the book, 
because not only is it healing for others, it was healing for me as well, because all of that that I kept hidden, I let out. And when I talk about it, I speak openly because I don't want anyone to go through what I went through to feel like they can't they don't have an avenue and this whatever's going on with them is the way life has to be. There was purpose. And I mentioned to you about that scripture in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 mm-hmm. and 18 to give thanks. See, if I had not gone through what I went through, I couldn't help people the way I help them today. And so there was purpose and I can give thanks for it because now I realize that even though it was hurtful, I'm helping so many people out there. And so it was a gift in really uh, in disguise. Yeah, it was is with your work that you suppose what you put on this earth to do is part yeah. of your plan, your process exactly. so what are some of the tools you develop that may be helpful to infertile couples okay infertile couples? so so there's a there's something that i call just basically looking at what triggers those emotions in you and see so just as an example is that I can be having a good day mm-hmm. and something can come along that caused me to shift from having that happiness, that joy, that peace that I had. And now I've let something overcome me and taken away that joyful feeling that I had. So mm-hmm. there's a technique in my book where once you recognize that you've had that negative shift in mm-hmm. your life, in your in your day, go back and connect to that. What happen to cause me to shift and once you recognize what caused you to shift then you look and think about now why did i let this impact me right and then once you recognize that you're able to start moving towards uh the, the place where you were originally because now you acknowledge it, you recognize it, and now you can do something about it. A lot of times we just get into that negative zone and we get comfortable there and we stay there. But once you recognize what it has shifted you out, you can shift yourself back to where you want to be. And you can also realize that you have a choice. No matter what's going on, you are participating and what is going on in your life. And I know we don't like to hear that. We don't want to hear that we played a part in it. But it's like an author who is mm-hmm. writing a story of their own life. Right. You can actually make the story a happy ending because you're writing a story, whether you realize it or not. The thoughts right. that I had created my existence. The words that I spoke created my existence. I said that I was barren. I can't have kids. And in reality, the diagnosis was barrenness. I couldn't have children. So if I stopped thinking those things and speaking those things and start thinking and speaking the things that I really want and how I know this work, because I'm doing it today. I have completely changed the direction, the trajectory of my life because of what changed with my beliefs. Your beliefs create your thoughts and your thoughts create your words and your words create your existence. And if you can shift and really understand that, you Mm -hmm. can change your life 
to have something beautiful that you never thought you had or could have. So you basically banish the toxic thought process. Yes, exactly. Because I understood that I have choice. Right. I don't have to suffer. I don't have to hurt. I chose to suffer. I chose to hurt. I did. I chose it. And now I can choose differently. I can choose a different avenue and I can have a different result. And so can you. Right. So before we go, let's hold on. How long? How long? Uh, question. How long did it take for you to get there? That just popped up. It definitely didn't happen overnight. Um, you're talking about at least 15 years that I put myself through that. But I was coming out of it, but didn't realize I was coming out because I had to go back and do a self-discovery journey. Mm -hmm. See, I had to go back to Francis as a child and realize what made Francis happy because I had forgotten who Francis was. I was so consumed. So mm -hmm. I went back and I started thinking about the things that made me happy, the things that made Francis special. And once I had to go through that migration of renewing, mm -hmm. then I was able to own the truth and realize, like I said previously, it wasn't that I had done wrong. It was just something wasn't operating in my body. So if a person is going through something right now, mm -hmm. whether it's infertility or any life challenges, go back and realize what is really causing it. Is it an issue in your body that's causing it? And you're taking it as something personal as who you are with your character and who you are as a person. If that's what you're doing, I challenge you to think differently. I challenge you to go and confront that fear, confront that pain, confront that situation and realize that no matter what you're dealing with, you can turn your situation around. Love yourself first. We're so busy loving others. And so little love that we give to ourselves. Remember what my husband taught me, let love rule. And letting love rule begins with loving yourself. I had stopped loving myself. I had to get back to loving myself. And the more I love myself, the more I liked myself. And the more I liked myself, the more I wanted to be myself. That's great. I mean, I love it. That, that, that was great that you brought yourself from out of the deep darkness. Because I always say, and I'll, you know, in our darkest moments, that's when we're able to see the most clarity. Yeah. Well, I didn't say it, but <laughs> so, that's, you know, darkest moments you receive, you can see your most clarity. So thank you for coming. Well, thank um, you for having me. Right. So before we go, there's a segment on the show that's called I Be Damned, where we get uh, stories about people who went on dates and it's really not even a date this time they, they're supposed to get married and something just happened so um i just explain a story retell a story nobody's hurt nobody's done anything it's actually funny sometimes but this one is uh states my best friends got engaged after the lockdown after covid lockdown their men chose them forever i've been dating freddie for four years doing pregnancy and after our baby was born I asked about marriage. Freddie said, you don't buy a car without kicking the tires. I'm still test driving. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, Freddie. <laughs> okay, Freddie. <laughs> That's what he said. So somebody said, let rule. 
let yeah let let love rule they've repeated it in this so um thank you for coming so we have all you if you're looking for miss francis jones they can find you where okay so if you are searching for me on the internet you can go to my website www.heart h-e-a-r-t desires d-e-s-i-r-e-s coaching c-o-a-c-h-i-n-g dot com you can also find me on linkedin francis jones one you can find me on instagram and facebook at heart desires and on twitter heart desires fc i'm on tiktok as well author.francisjones so i'm pretty much everywhere because the book is on amazon correct is it on amazon as well the book is on amazon and you can purchase it from any online retail stores uh you can go to your favorite bookstore and ask them to order it so yes but definitely you can get it on amazon overcoming the emotional stigmas of infertility barren but not ashamed it's not just about infertility it's about how you can overcome challenges in your life no matter what those challenges are okay well thank you for coming um glad we could make this happen you know that I know you had an appointment last week so I'm glad you were able to make it happen and I'm pretty sure the listeners actually learned a lot from you today because I learned a lot from you so just thank you for coming and you're most welcome and if anyone wants wants to email me they can also email me as well francis at heartdesirescoaching.com if you want to talk if you have an infertility or any issues that you want to talk about I'm a coach I can help you out okay Yes, that's it. This is it. This is the season finale. Somebody just asked me, was it over? Yes, this is it. This is the season finale. I'll probably see you in about five, four to five weeks for season, the beginning of season four. Can't tell you who's the guest for season four, but we'll be back. So we're closing it out with Infertility with Miss Frances Jones. So see you in about four weeks. This is the end of Amsterdam season three. Thank you for coming, Miss Frances. Thank you for having me. All right. So remember, she said, let love rule. Let love rule. All right. You cut us uh, to do some.